am joined today by a few distinguished panelists and I will introduce each one of them just before they speak. So I would like to start with Comrade Opa Lehurere. And Comrade Opa is the director of Kanye College, a social justice institution. He's an activist in the social movements for many years. So thank you, Comrade Opa, for joining us. And I'd like to now hand over to you for your input. And each panelist will have 15 minutes to make their input um, before we move to the Q&A. Thank you, Comrade Opa. Over to you. Okay. Thanks very much, Comrade Shinaz, for the aware that you, you said we must put our video on. Uh, I'll put it on for a short while just to confirm that I'm an actually existing person because I think... We, we, we have kind of got into the tradition of putting it off because it's quite heavy if you are using a phone somewhere, the, 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 the kind of video feed uh, we found is quite a heavy consumer of, of data for people. So at least if the uh, comrades have seen that I actually exist um, and I will, I will then continue uh, speaking maybe without it, as, as I think you indicated. I think what, what I'm going to try and do is very quickly just to, in broad brush strokes, spell out the major landmarks of, of, of this battle, at least from, as seen from the point of view of Kanye College. I think we began organizing and working with um, what at the time, this was 2009, 2008, um, where we had a project at Kanya um, focusing on what we called vulnerable workers because we believed that um, the community health workers were just one um, category of workers that was becoming particularly widespread and has continued to increase in South Africa and that is um, workers who are casualized who are now on so-called zero-hour contracts, who are thrown out of work without any benefits, um, as the, the economy, in a way, was reorganized, um, following um, a range of policy choices, I think, taken by um, the South African government post, uh, uh, nine, from 96 in particular. And, and so um, in 2009, I think we, 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 we began um, a project looking at vulnerable workers. So community health workers were at that time more like even more for volunteers than they are now. They were really peer groups that began to emerge out of the HIV AIDS pandemic and crisis. Um, <clears throat> and of course, as, as, as that terrain changed um, in 2009 with the election of, of Zuma and the Pulukwane people, they have a rapid expansion of that group. But anyway, th th there's a long story there to be told that, that that's quite important in understanding. But I think we began organizing then. And by um, 2012, I think we had the first major um, wide strike of community health workers. Um, the demands then were simply that uh, people wanted to be employed directly by the province and not to be employed by um, the NGOs at the time. And I think, and that struggle really uh, spanned that period from around 2012 
um, right up to about the end of 2013. That, that, that strike was quite successful. It led to a major increase in the stipend that, that people were getting. I mean, from 1,002, they pushed over just over 2,000. Um, and but the biggest victory, of course, was that they managed to move into the the, the, the clinic, um, um, which had, uh, uh, led to quite a bit of struggle with the NGOs and threats. Uh, we used to receive calls at Kenya threatening from NGOs that we killing their livelihood and etc. and so on. Um, the, the, there was an organization called GANS at the, at the time um, active in Gauteng. So by 2013 in September, uh, the care workers moved into clinics and, and that was kind of the end of NGOs. Um, it's a struggle that didn't end because there was attempts throughout that period to reverse that, to move CHWs into um, um, NGOs again. Um, I think the critical kind of, um, um, uh, uh, I, I'd kind of define that period mainly as um, working with uh, health workers, assisting them to understand the meaning of, of being organized. I think at the beginning, people arrived at, at Kenya. I mean, they, they'd heard various networks about the kind of work we were doing with unions and other organizations. And basically, they came to say, look, uh, Kenya, this is what we want you to do, and you go do it. And, 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 and a struggle, of course, was waged with them, firstly. So that first phase really was a struggle um, with community health workers, uh, you could say against community health workers. And the basic thing was that, look, we were saying to them at Kanya, we, we're doing no such thing. We're not gonna go do any stuff for you. You're gonna do it yourself. You're gonna get organized. You're gonna put an organization. You're gonna have uh, care workers who stand up, who speak for themselves. And we as Kanya, um, uh, our role in all this, as it has been for many years with many organizations, is to assist you, provide the support, provide the training, provide the infrastructures. So I, th I think that the, the period really between the, 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 that initial period um, was mainly to get the comrades to understand that organizing is their business and that um, we are there to assist and that we hope that we, both us and the care workers will be catalytic in organizing other sections of working people um, who are suffering the same fate as them. So, so that was the, the important phase. And, and by end of 2014, um, an interim committee um, representing Gauteng White Carers was, was elected um, at a kind of a special workshop. Um, and that interim committee, some of the people you know, like Zoleka, the late uh, Willie, um, were elected there, Anna from um, Kangala, and so on. It began the first round of um, the successful phase of getting. The, the, the comrades to be organized in their own right and not depend purely on being spoken of by the NGOs. And I think it's, it's been a tradition that's sometimes difficult to maintain, but which we've attempted to, to struggle to keep with uh, um, the care worker comrades, just to say, look, uh, Kenya's business is not to speak on behalf of care workers. Um, so we're always reluctant to take these kind of spaces and and Kenya sometimes unpopular because of this. We always say we just pass on any invitation to the care workers and they must sort it out themselves. And, and, but I think that was an important break point. And I think 
the 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 by the beginning of 2016 um with all the organizing that had happened in between the the interim committee which grew a bit stronger the, the department i think realized its problem um of what they had done um and there was a major attempt to reverse that process um the ngo managers had a huge meeting um, um in Bramfontein with the department and their plans were afoot to take the care workers back into that um we preempted that we kind of had a preemptive strike of this meeting um at the beginning of 2016 and we um and it became clear that we had to entrench the legal status of care workers as employees and not kind of volunteers uh, that case was finally won and in march it was a fairly rapid movement because it, it, it a number of different strands kind of of, of of organizing were adopted then one of course was the legal one um to get the court to confirm that the carers were indeed employees and not volunteers of the department the second one of course we we kind of targeted the legislature um there is in in in, in most provinces i think in Gauteng in particular the so-called what is called the petitions act which we managed to utilize successfully to get the legislature to 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 kind of um, um, respond to what the carers were putting forward. The, the, this interim committee had a meeting with the speakers of the legislature. They got a fairly favorable. They led to the summoning of the department to the Gauteng legislature to explain their position. Um, there was a bit of support from some of the other parties. Um, in the legislature of course for for kind of party political reasons you know anything that pokes the ruling party anywhere in this country always works so that was an important phase of that battle the department of course next track was to outsource the entire uh, workforce of care workers to smart pairs now we, we were always aware that smart pairs had certain very kind of strategic weaknesses and and the strategy that was there was that we're going to collapse smart pairs from within they they they're not going to, they don't have the infrastructure to uh, manage and pay and supervise almost 9000 carers at the time um and and we the strategy there was of course to say if they think they're an employer while we we, we don't think that they're an employer proper um on one level i think the attempt was to say um, let's challenge smart purse in terms of the employment status. Um, we opened uh, an arbitration award, uh, kind of a dispute against the department, basically saying, look, um, even if we work with smart purse, the effective employer is the Department of Health. Um, and that took up to 2018 when that um, in September an award came out to say, look, effectively, uh, care workers and are employees on continuous contracts. Smart person's existence does not invalidate their status as employees of the Department of Health. Um, and there's a section of the law, of course, here that was used for this. But I mean, the second strategy really was 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 we made smart person unworkable. I, th I think the the the, the care workers um, on on various levels, I mean, I put such an onerous administrative strain on smart purse um, at the department of labor on various other forums sometimes basically just uh, descending on their offices in mid-range and shutting them down so that they're not unable to function for a couple of days 
so so the, there was a kind of saying let let let's take the, the confirm the law but let's make smart pairs practically unworkable and i think um <clears throat> from the department side we exhausted smart pairs uh, which allowed them to kind of uh, succumb um and of course combined with the arbitration ruling they tried to bring smart pairs into the proceedings as an uh, as a as a party to the proceedings, but I think it became clear that the SmartPass position was untenable because actually SmartPass has no health expertise at all. Um, SmartPass um, cannot even collect the, the, these debts. They're still collected by functionaries of the Department of Health. Um, and on a range of levels, I think um, after kicking the can down the road, they collapsed. So, so I think the, the, the experience really there of, of, of the carers, one of course was um, a, a careful look at what the, 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 the terrain of the law provides, which it does, but, but quite importantly, realizing that on its own, that cannot win a battle. Um, because I think our experience is that they practically just kick the can down the road. I mean, like the, the arbitration award took over, yep, it was filed in August of 2016. Um, and the final award was two years later, um, which required a kind of waiting it out, um, which needed then. But I think the, the, the big lesson for us there is what was happening um, parallel to all of this, which was the process of, uh, of building an organization, which is probably the most difficult part of this because uh, firstly, as we I indicated right at the beginning, we had to have a fight with the carers to say look, that this is not our business, it's, it's their business in the end. And secondly, the, these sections of the working class don't carry the organizational experience. Thirdly, I think the unions abandoned these sections of the working class. In fact, uh, some of the most difficult people um, against carers in clinics are actually members of Nahau and members of PSA and all these organizations. And we were encountering a lot of resistance from these organizations um, for the carers getting permanent. I think we always want to imagine that Nehau and PSA and all the people have an interest in carers being permanent. Um, and I think our experience has proved otherwise that actually there's very little interest in these organizations. Um, they have consistently opposed attempts in the bargaining council to get carers to be permanent. They've entrenched the position of community health workers as kind of volunteers earning a stipend. Um, um, if one reads a lot of the resolutions from the bargaining council, it's a kind of a corporate protection of the status quo as it exists. Um, and I think even with the Houghton ruling um, um, on, on the permanent status, they continued um, to, to, in the bargaining council to agree with the state that they should keep carers uh, permanent. So, so I think it's important for carers to realize this and, and not have any illusions that you know, running to your closest union office will get you anyway. Um, in fact, we, right after the, the approval of, 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 of the implementation, I mean, we were and I still are involved in the Houghton space in a number of other initiatives because we think this victory must be consolidated. There's still a lot of holes in it, um, in the status of carers. For instance, uh, the, the carers are not, strictly speaking, graded as health workers. 
they are treated as general workers really that that's the current kind of regime um although there's been training in robot and upgrading of skills which of course never gets implemented so so there's still a, a range of other battles to be fought here and, and 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 i was just flagging the fact that i don't think we expect much out of the the, the established labor unions i think that their politics really throughout this uh, are, are the politics of corporate protection of insiders basically keeping everyone out out of this i mean there are many other workers um that that that, that are, are engaging with with with, with, with uh, the forum for instance a lot of administrative staff in the clinics um are not part of this deal um because they've been declared to be epwps which is pretty ridiculous because actually they are quite essential in processing um um the 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 the, the clients that come to clinics um, in holding the administrative back end, in receiving all those reports and channeling them past and, and, and all of that. But they, they treat it as EPWPs and therefore they, they, they're not part of, 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 of this deal. So, so the V3 the, 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 the itself has to be put in perspective um, that um, it, it, it opens other battle lines. It leaves a lot of other workers equally deserving out of this um it's leading to a, a trench warfare to attempt to um what you call this thing to 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 prevent other workers from from from, from benefiting from this and therefore um the, the work really is 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 proceeding along with several fronts um the resources of course are thin um i think we all know that people who work in NGOs and who are trying to work with these kinds of, um, in this kind of space. The resources are thin, but the, the, the work is, is huge. Um, and and we, we're seeing similar battles breaking out in a number of other provinces now. And, and, and the challenge again is the same. And the lesson is, you know, digging in and getting organized is, is, is above all else, um, depending on carers themselves, uh, my advice to any home-based care worker, never trust a trade union of the established sort. That's all ensconed in the bargaining councils. The agreements that are coming out of there are, are quite shocking sometimes in terms of just their attitude to other workers. You would think that they would have just the, 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 the kind of uh, empathy for other workers. Um, but what we find, in fact, is that they're blocking all the time. And... and, and and we saw a letter, and that's my last point. We saw a letter basically um, castigating the Gauteng department for, for um, basically agreeing or succumbing to this pressure as they see it. Um, and there was an indication in this letter that the national department and the trade unions, the bargaining councils are unhappy because they were not consulted with uh, this uh, step to make the, the, the care workers permanent. And, 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 and it's a kind of a low point that you could find of how trade unions could object to workers becoming permanent workers is, is only you'll get it in, in, in a South African context. But I think, yeah, the, the, the two big lessons here, get organized, um, be independent, stand on yourself, and, and, and just be dogged about it. I mean, it's going to be long, it's going to be tough, but I think the victory of Gauteng uh, is an indication that can be built on by all other care workers in the country. Thanks.
Um, thank you so much, Comrade Opa. That those are valuable um, experiences and lessons that you bring out and this encouragement that community health workers across the country to take strength from the community health workers in Gauteng, but to never give up. But also, more importantly, to recognize who, who, who you can rely on and who you have got to be careful uh, about is, is another important lesson. Thank you for this. Okay, so I'm just introducing Nsikasi um, Kata, um, who's the SACTU local secretary in the Nelson Mandela Metro and young nurses in Daba trade union provincial coordinator. She's also working for the Department of Health as the forensic uh, pathology officer. And she will speak on the struggles of community health workers in the Eastern Cape. Afternoon, comrades. Um, this is Comrade Z from Port Elizabeth, the Eastern Cape. Let me say, comrades, that uh, I got hijacked by Comrade Tinashe just a few minutes before the meeting started. But again, as a worker leader, as a revolutionary, as a person who is within the struggles, you cannot say no, even if um, something comes at 11th hour. Coming to the issue of uh, the CHW struggle in the Eastern Cape, we have been battling, as Comrade Oba has just outlined the struggle of the CHW. Just to take you back a little bit, my comrades, this um, precarious work by CHWs started as far as 1992. So, it is very much old. They started working since 1992 as volunteers who were only getting paid a loaf of bread and nothing else. Up until the department, because if, if you follow it correctly, during those times is when they were under the municipalities up until they got translated to Department of Health to come and, and work for Department of Health. And the clinics that were under municipalities then were also transferred to Department of Health. That's where actually it started to start the fire where unions within the department were raising questions of how do we then have employees who just only get paid a loaf of bread while within the department every employee gets a salary that is accompanied by all the benefits which is your pension fund medical aid um, and everything that you you get as a permanent employee but it was never easy as it is not easy even right now, today. So let me quickly um, fast forward, comrades. So now we are sitting with a challenge of uh, finding our sisters and brothers in other provinces being employed, whereas we know that we've been fighting a very difficult fight in the bargaining council as unions. When we started this fight in the bargaining council, we started there, we all know that when you get to the bargaining council, it's different federations. 
different unions. Some are attached to the ruling party and some are not. So when we started fighting there, we've tabled a clear mandate that is saying we want an absorption. We want everyone to be absorbed under an entry level of level five, which will give a salary that is, is, is a good salary to all CHW, as they are people who have been doing this work practically, even if they never went to school for this, but they've been doing this practically for so many years, of which now it doesn't even question or allow anyone to question them in terms of experience and the knowledge that they have doing their work. And also, let me highlight the fact that they are also doing the nurse work, which is also one of the exploitation we've been fighting for as the trade unions that are within these workplaces. Because if you go to a clinic, you will find that in other clinics, CHWs are doing dressings of which that's a professional nurse who should be doing that. CHWs are doing the testing of TBs and so on. So they do have all the knowledge. They, they the same as a person who went to a university to get a, a, an education of being a professional nurse. So on our fight, comrades, as, as the Eastern Cape, we've gathered all the information that we need. We started on the 6th, where we started going to hand in a memorandum. We arrived there at uh, 9 in the morning. We sat there up until the sun went down. No one of the department coming to address us or even to come and say, okay, we're here to listen. Why are you guys here? But it happened that um, around six, of, six in the evening, only then the SG, Toby Lembengashe, arrived to receive this memorandum of ours, of which the demands on that memorandum is strictly permanency nothing else and we want absorption nothing else we gave each other seven days the seven days expired with no answers no nothing we took a decision that we're going back on the 16th we went back there when we got there on the 16th the department decided that they will not even try and do as they did on the 6th where they came around 6 late to come and, and, and receive the memorandum. They completely refused to come. Up until we said, who is head office? Because all we want is someone to come and listen to us to come and address our demands. We know that there is a resolution that is talking to permanent absorption of CHWs. And as per the resolution, 
on the 1st of May, all CHWs were supposed to be absorbed permanently. And we didn't see that happening. So we wanted answers to that. And also, on the, or again, on top of that, we've received good news that Gauteng has done the absorption of, of its CHWs. So we took both these to our head office, where now the department decided to just throw bullets at us. We were running around trying to save our lives because it was dark at night around eight, nine in the evening where they started opening up fire on us. As I've, I've, I've highlighted, comrades, that CHW started working from 1992. You can imagine amongst ourselves, there were CHWs that are around 50 of years of age and, and, and so on. And mainly these people are women. Women who are single parents, women who do not get any benefits from the department, women who cannot even take their kids to higher education when they finish grade 12. Because once they go and apply for an SFAS, the system reflects as if they are employees of the department, which is closing some of the benefits for them. It's even closing the benefits of having um, RTP houses which is not fair and it's one of the things that we are demanding to our province. So after these two, we went back again, comrades, because the department again didn't show any interest in sitting down with us and have these conversations with us. We went back again on the 17th of August and the 18th of August. While we were there on the 17th August, it's only then the department finally agreed that they will sit a meeting with us on the 18th of August. Of which it, it, it was a happy moment for us as people who were there fighting to sit this meeting. We finally uh, got this meeting. We sat with Utobile Mbengashe, who is the SG, we sat with uh, Mrs. Murapedi, who is the head of nursing. We sat with uh, chief of staff from the office of MEC. We sat also with labor relations and ourselves as unions and as CHWs. Out of that meeting, I can say that it was not easy. As we all know that the employer is always prepared and always trying to win and make things go their own way. Of which when we got there, the first thing that was tabled was grade 12, of which we all know that many people who entered this service around 92 didn't have metric, and those people are still here within the service. So what we did there, comrades, was to force the department that let us apply the LPL, which is a university qualification that qualifies you should you have 
practical experience doing that same type of work. So we managed to, 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 to discuss around that as in using an RPL instead of talking about grade 12 and talking about taking people to school because if we're going to talk about taking people to school, then it means you are delaying again their employment. Why must you take them to school if they've been doing this very same work for 10 years? Absorb them, give them their permanent salaries, and then you can skill them while they are inside as permanent employees. That is our stance, comrades. We also tabled again a document to our legislature where we are saying, if the Gauteng has done this out of their provincial budget, of which Gauteng managed to employ out of their provincial budget without waiting for this bargaining council that is delaying things. And we all know the reason of delay of things that it's a political agenda, um, which is just another topic for another day. So we've tabled to them a document that is outlining and giving a direction on how to absorb CHWs while you are busy waiting for the bargaining council and, and its arbitrations. Thirdly, we agreed with the SG that SG, as the head of this province, you do have posts in your clinics, hospitals, and so on. Open up those posts with a memorandum that is saying they are internal posts. So that so long, people who are willing and who do not have a problem can so long be employed permanently in those positions. I think, comrade, that's where I want to think that um, it was very much important to, 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 to have that agreement with the SG because now we are sitting with a challenge of CHWs fighting amongst themselves, which is so much heartbreaking for me, because now we were, exp we were um, in fact, we are still under the, 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 the cloud of COVID, and the department was forced to employ more CHWs in a new contract of COVID-19. Now, this is creating a very big problem between the CHWs that are newly employed in these new contracts and the old CHWs that were employed back then. Because now, some are having fears that maybe these are here to take our jobs, um, the department will consider them and not us. Of which, this creation of posts that's where it is going to help us so much as unions, as CHWs who are in the department, because 
the number of people that needs to be employed is going to be reduced. This is also going to help our communities. The number of unemployment is going to be reduced. This is going to help poverty in our homes. The number of people going to sleep without food is going to be reduced. So those are the critical and very important issues we are currently sitting with in the Eastern Cape. We were very much happy to build up uh, this task team because we know, comrades, once you start talking employment and there is management, there is employer, there is unions who are attached to the management and the employer and the alliance and so on, then shenanigans start happening. People start uh, doing nepotism, bringing their own kids, their own families, people who are not supposed to be employed in those positions, and leave out the people who were supposed to be given those positions. Which is why I believe that this building up of the task team is really going to help us going forward and in monitoring that the absorption and the employment that is happening is fairly done to everyone and there is no employee that is going to be left outside and be a victim of the department because remember if you're going to be a volunteer Amir, for can school, i ask you to please finish up um your 15 right. minutes is up thank you all right if you're going to be employed for so many years and at the end of the day when the permanent employment comes you get kicked out then that won't be a good thing. I think, comrades, let me stop there. Um, thank you, comrades, okay. for listening. Thank you. So um, thank you so much. Um, so I firstly want to um, say a, a deep appreciation to Comrade Mzi for coming to um, share with us at such a last uh, minute. Um, and for filling in uh, a position for um, uh, Mondli Klichwayo, who was on his way to actually attend to his father who fell ill. So um, we really do appreciate for you, you for coming in at this 11th hour and for providing us such an important insight into what's happening in the Eastern Cape and also to share some of the strategies that you've been using. Um, I think this ongoing conversation across province is really incredible. Um, so I'm aware that um, um, Opa needs to leave at, um, in a few minutes. So there's quite a few questions and I'm going to ask him to please uh, respond. So Bulela has asked, um, um, has, let, let me just see if I can get to the first one. COVID-19 has exposed our health workforce gaps and served as evidence of the need to train and employ community health workers across all provinces. How can we ensure that provinces in financial distress embrace community health workers as a critical cadre in the non-communicable disease and primary health care response? Um, the second um, question that he has is it's no mystery that the political climate at the provincial level makes for a major determining factor in the debate of community health worker absorption. While tailor-made approaches are necessary to drive change and get progress, how do we help community health workers 
in non-responsive provinces to get traction in their respective provinces. And there's a third question, which I'm going to leave for now to give um, space for Comrade Opa to answer the first two. Uh, I, I think I think yes. Um, we we all know that what what COVID nineteen has done has been to 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 expose the systemic weaknesses of the health system um, in particular, and and part of the wider set of social services um, that uh, the South African population rightfully deserved, rightfully fought for. Um, I, I think it's, it's, I agree that in a way there is a variation um, between provinces. Um, a lot of this variation actually is not just a question of the actual resources of the provinces. I think we, we need to, to probably take a step back and, and um, as people who are organizing in this terrain, um, come to, to a standpoint that what we're solving are not provincial problems. No, no health system really here is ever going to work if it's provincialized. Um, I think we must not be um, found to be unwittingly complicit is in what is really um, a, 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 a state strategy um, that has actually weakened the health system. Um, on a number of levels. I think when many of the people who are now at the helm of the health system were activists in the primary health care networks in the, in the 80s um, and in the, nine, in the early 90s, I think no, no one had a perspective of a healthcare system that's completely provincialized. I, I think, I think they, they, this is an alibi that the national government kind of takes out of here. So, so in the end, I think um, we must understand that our, um, in a way, um, way out of, of, of these problems is how are we going to build national organizations? How are we going to build national demands? Now, now that, that's been a, 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 an issue that I think has, has come up within um, um, health uh, uh, CHWs that have been organizing. There's been an attempt to build these networks. I think they are at a fairly early stages and are reflecting, in a way, um, the, the, the weaknesses at various levels. My response, therefore, really to, 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 to this question about provinces that are non-responsive is that we have to look at how we strengthen CHWs from below, how we change their levels of consciousness, their capacity for organizing, and that the CHWs need to present a different agenda to, 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 to that that is a, a kind of a, a provincial agenda. Now, obviously, we, we have to battle on the terrain of provinces. I mean, we're finding, for instance, that if you look at what's happening in um, Pumalang, um, for example, very early stages of moving CHWs out of um, the NGOs into clinics, we think we, we the, the, the Kanya and the Forum are working um, with comrades um, in Pumalanga to try and, 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 and drive the processes of organizing and struggle. 
to make sure that an important step, of course, is to get CHWs into clinics. I mean, it's by no means the, 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 the final step, but it's quite important to break the fragmentation. And I think for me, what's become also clear is that um, CHWs are much weaker in a lot of the provinces um, from an organizing point of view, from their pressure point of view, in provinces where they are still dispersed among the NGOs. Um, so so for, for me, the, the response at the level of the province is, 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 is to focus and resolve the question of organization. In that framework, um, we would be able to make a, a lot of important demands. I think that the next thing for me is how do we leverage the advances that are made in different provinces for the purposes of, of moving in other provinces. Now, the department is quite aware of the potential significance of the Gauteng um, situation, which is why they are, we don't think that the national department is particularly happy with all the big statements that um, uh, Minister Mkise puts out about 10,000 care workers and 60,000 care workers. I think for them, it's 60,000 cheap labor, that's great, um, that you don't look after because then you can get the best of all possible worlds. I think that the, 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 the important point is, is, is to begin to work out, again, it's among CHWs, how are they prepared, to what extent are they prepared to, to, to find um, um, organizational forms that bring together the benefits of one part of carers uh, that have advanced organizationally compared to other ones. I think here, for instance, I, I need to, to make a point. I mean, similarly to, to, the, to the unions, um, and the points I made about the unions, that I think it's going to be important for carers somehow to also find ways of breaking out of the straitjacket of NGOs. NGOs have, and I'm talking about NGOs here that are quite um, sympathetic to carers, that want to assist carers, um, but which for me need to come to terms with developing organizational models and approaches that are not looking towards what the department says, what the important people we know in the departments are promising us and are advising, but what actually the carers want. So, so, so my response, I mean, to, to the question is that it, 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 it's the unevenness of provinces um, that um, have less resources. It, 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 we mustn't accept that within the provinces, um, um, the national state has got the resources to drive uh, uh, proper health care for, for people. Um, how do we find alliances with other social movements that are, that, that are struggling around issues of water, that are struggling around issues of housing? And I think carers um, will need to learn that as an important step in resolving their, their issues, that the way is to look in your province towards these kinds of alliances of community members. They've been quite important. I mean, I didn't have time to talk about them quite a lot. They've been quite important in the way that the Houghton Forum has, has, has developed in, in this kind of thing. And I think I'm hoping that in that sense, covering the, the issues of support for weaker provinces, um, the, 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 the issue of the, the, the specific provincial dynamics, yes, I, I acknowledge that the specific dynamics of provinces are important, but I would like to still make um, uh, make a point, basically, that um, in the end, it's going to be organizing um, um, horizontally within the working class um, and creating a critical mass and showing 
uh, people in those provinces that they have an interest in the presence of community health care workers. Um, and I think, comrade uh, from, from, from the nurses in Daba, I mean, you spoke earlier, I mean, actually made the point that uh, a victory of community health care workers is a victory for the communities um, in which they live. And therefore, if we organize in that direction, for me, we begin to, to deal. And, and of course, I don't think we have a basis at all to accept that provinces don't have resources. The provinces have a lot of resources. For us, the resources sit at the national state, and that's where they must be found. Uh, thank you so much, um, Comrade Opa. This is really valuable um, insights. Um, I don't know if you have time for one more question, or do you need to leave? Okay, one last, last, last one, then I'm going to run. Okay, so Pulela um, has questions. I don't know if anybody else has questions. Um, but there's a question, is it possible for MPOs may have played a passive role, unaware or aware in CHWs remaining out of the state service? I'm referring to NPOs that are employing community health workers for various programs, such as um, child health programs. Um, and then he says something about this, no miss, oh no, we've already read that one. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, if there's anybody else who has a quick question, can you quickly raise your hand? I saw one raised hand, um, and then uh, we're going to just allow Comrade Opa to answer and then to leave. So I'm looking for hands right now. Okay, no hands. Um, okay, um, go ahead, Comrade Opa. Shinaz, I might have missed you a little bit there, but, I, but, but my understanding is, is the passive role and the role of NPOs who are employers in many cases of, of, of um, community health workers. Um, I, I think that, uh, firstly, I think the NPOs um, do find themselves in a contradictory um, position um, here. And I think on, on the one hand, of course, uh, no one can deny the fact that um, given the nature of the state, given the state's approach to basically its abandonment of a range of social services over the last 25 years, these NPOs have been important in basically defending um, and, and supplying some of the elementary services that should have been supplied by care workers that are properly uh, remunerated, that are properly um, recognized within the system. Um, and in that sense, then we, 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 we must appreciate that um, it is not what the NPOs actually provide that is, that is a, a problem, um, but, but, but the fact that the framework within which um, NPOs are f uh, um, and, and the community actually is forced to accept services on the part of the state is such that it compromises, um, firstly, the interests of the community itself because it, it locates um, the supply um, of healthcare services at the most minimum of levels. And of course, it's based on the exploitation of care workers. Now, now we have found, I mean, I made an, ex an example of, of, of the kind of the Houghton coalition of, of, of NPOs and, um, and NGOs who, who, who basically um, began, and I think we find that in Pumalanga now as we, as we speak, who begin to defend the need for them to maintain care workers in that. In that context, I think we, um, we, we've kind of ended up having to take an approach that a, a struggle to 
to advance um, the care workers things sometimes unfortunately has to come into conflict with the the, the broader kind of uh, economic and financial interests um, of these um, um, NPOs. And, and to that extent, I think the struggle there must be how do we fight to transfer those services that NPOs are actually undertaking now and move those services um, um, within the, 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 the kind of um, the, the, the supply by the state. And, and for us to be aware as community health care workers that this will meet some levels of resistance um, as it is currently the case in Pumalanga, as we've experienced um, in Gauteng and other provinces where the, 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 the NPOs develop an interest in maintaining care workers outside of, 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 of the health system proper. But, but I think um, um, obviously ideologically we need to promote the fact um, to community members and to sometimes very progressive NPO people that, that the real future of a viable healthcare system does not lie in this fragmentation into the NPOs and um, various NGOs uh, who are contracting out to the state, but that it actually lies in a universal healthcare system um, that, 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 that organizations like the people's healthcare movements are, are campaigning about that it does lie in, in, in expanding quite significantly um, the number of, of healthcare workers. I think um, Comrade from um, the PE uh, actually made this point. We need many more care workers to be able to do this. And that um, um, where possible, of course, um, and I think we have found NPO uh, people that have been fairly active in supporting the absorption of community healthcare workers. And I think to, to, to that extent, I think we, we, we have to um, um, uh, appreciate uh, the, the, the contradictory positions that NPOs have and that they, 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 they may sometimes appear to stand in the way of this progress, but actually that they are potential allies, some of them, in a struggle um, like this. I think it's, it's not, it's not an, an, an easy um, thing um, that, that, that we need to um, to, to, to understand in this context, yeah. Okay, thank you. So you've got two more questions. Um, I understand you need to leave, but so I'm going to allow Patrick and Simon to raise the questions and maybe at a later stage you can answer them. Um, but um, we will then move uh, because we've got um, a, another um, guest who then can take the questions, but I'd just like you to, to hear the questions. So Patrick, um, please be very brief. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, uh, Shanaz, and thank you to Opa uh, for beautiful and powerful presentation. Uh, and also, this is a wonderful learning uh, from uh, Gauteng. But then what is baffled me, uh, Opa, probably I didn't get it earlier. It's a question of how then do we mobilize better outside of the unions, particularly for us, for organizations who support the work and work with the community health care workers in different levels. Uh, and the second part is the question of how are we ruling out, uh, are we ruling out uh, the unions? Because the issue, there are still issues that I still see as fundamentally 
uh, squarely falling under their due restriction in terms of the bargaining council and all that. We are just organizations who support and work with the community health care workers, but then how do we bypass and get around the issue of the unions? Thank you. Can we get That's Simon's right. questions, please? No, thank you very much. Uh, I will be short. Uh, I will raise the issue of Houghton. Um, um, only 9,000 community health workers have been employed by uh, DOH in Houghton, and this has been challenged by, by other provinces and national government. Also, this victory is a result of all formation that have campaigned over the years, including the unions and the, the NGOs. Uh, now, Nihau is challenging the DOH in the um, uh, uh, in the in the labor court for delaying employment of community health workers, and this now highlights the importance of unionization and united front of community health workers. The question now will be: once they are fully employed in DOH, who will represent them at the, bargain, at the public sector bargaining council? Okay, Thank you. Those are, um, over, over to you. And as soon as you're done with these questions, you are free to leave and we will continue with the program. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks very much. Uh, before before I, 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 I have to do give quick answers to these questions, just to say that I think it's, it's this discussion generally is an important one. Um, of of how we organize, um, of how we organize and 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 build um, a much deeper organizing base among community healthcare workers and of course other workers, and and there'll be occasions I'm sure for us to continue this debate. I'm just wanting to announce that the the Gauteng community healthcare workers will be speaking at the Gothenburg Book Fair online. Um, on the 26th uh, of September, please be on the lookout for as part of the Broad Jersey Book Fair program. They, they, they've been trying to mobilize to make links with other healthcare workers in other parts of the world. So they will be talking on that, on, on again, again, revisiting the debate on, 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 on how we, we continue organizing in the context of some of the important, even if small advances. I think just quickly to, to, to the issue of Patrick and, 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 and Simon, it really comes down to the first thing. Look, I mean, I, I think we, 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 there is the question of, there are many people that have organized um, around community healthcare workers. Um, a lot of NGOs have dug their heels, their, their kind of, um, um, uh, they've put work into this work. They, of course, above all else, the community healthcare workers themselves. I think um, when, when a balance sheet of this role is put, I think um, very few, and in fact, it's mostly been the smaller unions um, um, who have taken up this issue on any consistent basis. In fact, um, um, our experience is that even when opportunities for the big unions to really use their muscle to advance this, they've acted on the other side of the table. I mean, you only have to look at resolution one of 2018 um, that was passed. I mean, when that resolution was passed in the bargaining council, which basically en entrenched uh, community healthcare workers, there had already been a, a ruling that community healthcare workers should be employees on continuous contracts. 
Now, now that alone would have allowed the unions, I mean, we hadn't done much up to then, to at least put on the agenda the fact that uh, community healthcare workers are important. I think, but there's a bigger debate about where the union movement is going. You, you know, um, I, I know that people, uh, we, we, we discuss and talk about the pugning councils and that no one can do anything. Um, in fact, the irony is that when this battle began for, for, for pushing for permanent status, the argument that was advanced against um, against us, I mean, like uh, the, the Kenya and the Houghton carers, was that you can't do anything outside of the bargaining council. Well, I think actually, if one looks at the structure of South Africa's labor law, actually you can do a lot outside bargaining councils. Um, the bargaining councils are a form of contracting out of the law, um, basically, um, and, and I think um, the history of this labor movement, the one now that's ensconed in the bargaining council, we have to remember that they emerged outside of bargaining councils um, as organizing formations. Um, they were excluded from bargaining council, much as the bargaining councils are excluding unions now, pushing up thresholds um, for unions that are organizing vulnerable workers so that we have now a bargaining council system that is abandoning the overwhelming majority of the working class because it's retreating into and defending a smaller and smaller portion of the working class. And I always try to remind a lot of the comrades who are in those things that we were with in the 80s, in the unions, in the 70s, to say to them, you see, you're forgetting the fact that Taxa was once the biggest unions. They were in the bargaining councils and you were outside. And you organized and overturned a system that other people at the time told us, no, you can't do nothing because you're outside of bargaining council. Actually, the experience is that you can do a lot outside of bargaining councils. And it's not because we don't just have a dislike for bargaining council. The point is that the bargaining councils are organized to exclude the majority of workers, the casualized workers, um, the zero hour contract workers. I mean, and I think that's why South Africa's union density is on the consistent decline. I mean, if it wasn't for the state the, uh, I think what, what the comrade from Eastern Cape, I forget the name, always here, uh, was saying about the, the alliances between the, 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 the big employer and some unions. The, the public sector unions basically are a form of a closed shop. They, they don't organize. We, we meet them every day in the clinics. They don't organize anything there. They, they, they've become institutionalized. Now, if, if care workers go that route, then they're gonna end up like many of the other workers in other industries, they will be neglected, they will be thrown out, they won't be defended because the unions as currently set up are not geared for organizing. They are geared for network and deal-making in the network context. And my point is that we have to come to terms with that, that the, the, the sector of workers that we're dealing with requires organizing. Deal-making doesn't help them um, um, in that sense. And in that sense, we, we, we um, we hope the unions would come to the party and return back home to the working class. Um, up to now, the tendencies have been not too great. Um, we've struggled with unions. We've tried to approach some unions. In the cases that we finally won, we actually approached unions to join cases. They refused. You know, so, so, so I think, I think it's, it's, it's an objective situation that we find ourselves in. But I welcome Comrade Simon, uh, uh, Comrade Patrick, the debate that must go on about how do we break through and organize. 
we think it's difficult. We think it requires a lot of thinking, a lot of discussion like we're having now. But I think we must begin from the premise that every working class anywhere can be organized, even if the institutions appear insurmountable. And, and I think if, for, for us, it's clear now, uh, at kind, we have to go the community route. We have to bring the community. We cannot organize unions. We must organize around health. And when we say that, then the alliances are enormous because we suddenly have an entire population that has an interest in good health outcomes, um, which is different to organizing as a union because then you're looking at a very tiny part of the population that has an interest in good salaries. Right? Maybe if we change our mentality and organize around health outcomes and the community health workers become the drivers in our communities of saying the reason why we need good working conditions is so that you can get good health outcomes. We don't need good working conditions so that we can walk away from you and go to net care when we get sick. And that if we can get that message across, then it's a game changer in our organizing. And we think that is a difficult message. Okay, comrades, uh, let's continue the debate. And hopefully we'll see you on the 26th uh, with uh, Gothenburg, which will also be online where the carers will be speaking to Swiss work, uh, Swedish workers. Thank you. Thank you so much, Comrade Opa. You've given us a lot of food for thought. Um, you've given us uh, an incredible insight into the difficulties and challenges of organizing, mobilizing, um, but you've also given us some hope that, that, that it can be done. Um, and I encourage um, Simon and um, everybody here to keep the conversation going. I think it's about relationship building. Um, and uh, um, the People's Health Movement has provided this platform. And I'm, I'm sure with Tinashe's support, more platforms like this that can be created. Um, so thank you so much, um, Comrade Opa. Um, I would now like to um, invite our third panelists, um, who we are incredibly lucky to have on the call, um, and who has also been incredibly um, um, supportive and, and at the front lines um, um, for community health workers. In fact, he has championed and strengthened the struggle of the permanent employment of community health workers in Gauteng, and this is Comrade Class. So over you, to you, Comrade Class, you've got 15 minutes. Um, and um, we, we will then have about 20 minutes um, of time to, to have comments and questions um, for Comrade Mzi as well as um, Comrade um, Klaas, um, and then we will wrap up. Um, so over to you. As you know, my name is Klaas Nakei. I'm the Deputy Chairperson of the Gauteng Community Health Care Forum. Um, as Comrade Tinashi has helped me guide me through the conversation in terms of sharing, because it has been a long period of time, it's uh, five to six years of the struggle. And I do understand the comrades want to know of uh, the background of our struggle, how did we come to achieve um, what we have achieved in terms of the permanency. And so I'll try to break it down in beginning from the times when I was recruited to the organization. And I heard Comrade Opa has highlighted 
lot of the key points in terms of uh, the judgment, in terms of the arbitration. So I'll try to also add upon some of the campaigns that we had. Well, I was recruited around 2015 by our lead who was our organizer, Comrade Brawil Mukwena, as well as our current treasurer, who's um, uh, Comrade Ida, Comrade Mam Adonis. Um, we were still under the NGOs, and the, the forum was at its beginning stages by that time. So I was recruited around 2015. Uh, by Comrade Rawili Mukwen and uh, our current treasurer, um, Comrade Mamatonis. Um, by that time, we're still under the NGO. Um, it was a bit vivid on what I was joining, if I should share the sentiment. Uh, but I knew that I can, I could sense from our organizer, was a very good organizer and a perspective guy who shared this with Look, you guys, you deserve better. You've been doing this job for a very long period of time. And then we should take a very brave step. So you can imagine you just uh, know someone who recruited you and then was asking you to say, look, uh, we shouldn't sign this particular document. We have bigger, bigger, rewards ahead of us. So it was around 2015 by that time. It would like them open a case against um, the government as in to say we are deemed to be workers. We have been volunteering for years. So it was a, a, a case that we, we got a reward in 2015 uh, in brand I think it was around May. So I think complete open is touch upon that subject. Um, we were deemed to be employees. And then um, it was also at the same time the period whereby the, the government, the Department of Health uh, was renewing our contract, so we decided not to sign the contract. Um, knowingly that we are now deemed to, to be uh, employees of a housing department. So from that point on, um, we were submitting steps to our clinics. We were doing our daily duties, doing door-to-door, and doing follow-ups, registering houses, and, and all the work scope of the community care workers. Um, until to the point where we were told we were no longer welcome to come to the clinics. And that was by the time when the smart pass um, was introduced into the clinics. To say the people who have not signed are no longer welcome to the clinics. Uh, we uh, actually uh, indirectly uh, telling us that they do not recognize the judgment of uh, uh, Judge Benjamin that was given on Brand Fontaine on the same year 2015. So I, I, I could say um, uh, this was a, a, a a struggle where we had to have faith and to believe in, in, in what we were fighting for. Because we all knew that, yes, we had a judgment, but we are dealing with a, a very, very corrupted government who has rules that they only want the citizens to follow, but they don't uh, abide by the same laws. So, from there on, we, we, we had to have a um, lot of workshops, 
and we are grateful um, to have the supporting structure of uh, Kenyan College uh, to help us through to have the legal uh, means to fight the, the battle, as well as to have the workshops. You can imagine um, uh, as youthful as we were, we were thinking that we are fighting, we were running a sprint um, um, a race, we were sprinting like we had a goal. With this, with this 2015 around 2017 around 2016 we should have won this this is obvious uh, uh, we had a judgment we had an award uh, this is done in duster um, uh, but it has proven to be otherwise so and then the workshops have proven to be um, effective as well as in to say this is our struggle we should be able to discuss have dialogues on our struggle uh, all the time to update each other on where we are at all times in all different regi uh, regions and as well as provinces as Comrade Opa has, has highlighted which we have tried to build some networks uh, to, to inform each other, to engage and exchange information and to try to empower each other. As in we have realized this uh, is going to be a very, very long journey. Uh, uh, as Comrade Opa normally uh, calls, they were kicking the team uh, down the road. So we, we did get the award, and then we decided to um, uh, engage in arbitration. And in arbitration, uh, it's quite funny now when, we quote, when I quote it, and we were given like silly, silly, silly excuses and reasons to say, no, people have forgotten their documents. They are not prepared for this. They have changed their lawyers. Okay. So, comrades, I would say, uh, this, if, if I may say in two lines, this, this, this is our struggle. We don't need unions. We don't need anyone else. For you to win the struggle, you need to fight the struggle on your own terms. You know your struggle. You are the best person to represent your struggle. Um, um, it, it, it's, uh, it's quite difficult for you to say you will uh, engage in the struggle while we are in majority, because it's quite difficult to make everyone to see things the way you want, you see them. I can see the comments are commenting and saying that we need to be united, we need to be in numbers, but I can assure you, um, we also wished to be in majority, but we were forced to um, consider other strategies, like getting award. So the number we have, if we are strong in, in, in as few members as minority, then let's do it. Because if we were to say we are going to have 100 people, and then those people are struggling to see our vision and perception, we are going to take another 100 years to reach where we want to go. So um, I would advise the Congress to say, whatever number you have, the Congress should be strong and always be in the same mindset and know what you want. And then the other Congress will catch you along the way. Because we waste a lot of time trying to mobilize and organize people who are, uh, there's a reason why they are leaders and they are followers. It's because of the perception. What you see today, another person may take five years to see. 
So why do you see the vision? Be the leader, lead by example. This is your service. Take the necessary measures. We are now available as we did, as we were before, to form the networks, to work together, to have the solidarity, and uh, achieve the bigger goal. Okay, I think my time is up. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. I um, hope so you had a little bit in mind. Yes, okay, and, no, and thank you. I thank you for that encouragement and for just the support for community health workers to to show that the Gauteng situation or the story um, can be one um, that there is support for other community health workers from Gauteng and for them to never give up. Um, and I hope that you will. Um, a lot of people will have questions for you, Comrade Class, and Comrade Nzi, so that. Um, we can we can start to begin that journey of building new strategies to move ahead. So I see one hand um, from Comrade uh, Moifa Porsha, and uh, um, we will take that question. And uh, then uh, Comrade Nzi has has something to share. Um, then I see another hand, so I'm going to encourage more hands to come up, um, and we will go ahead start with um, Comrade uh, Porsha. Not all CWs are permanently employed, while others are celebrating their permanent employment, others are fighting to get their jobs back, as they have been volunteers for many decades and are now out of the system. Others can be employed as they are having pending cases with previous employer, which is the city of Swan. CW that worked for Swan in Wabot were from province, others were from other organizations. They even pioneered the National Health Insurance Project, first and second phase. What will happen to CHW that volunteers for many decades and are now out of the system? What will happen to older CHWs that can no longer be employed with no provident fund after volunteering for many years? What was done to municipality CHWs will discourage employees to be volunteers in future because you volunteer for many years and someone else rip the fruit of your hard labor. Municipality CHWs were initially not working under EPWP. The municipality became wiser by making CHW to sign the EPWP contract as the employment contract were renewed annually. They are now unemployable as the system shows that they are... Um, the system shows that they had to, um, the system still shows that they are employed by the city of Tony, whereas they are unemployed. They had to either sign the EPWP contract or you are unemployed. How come new CHWs are employed for COVID-19 while there are many municipality CHWs who are currently unemployed with experience, who were further trained and can do more than COVID-19 testing? Thank you. Um, wow. So these are really critical concerns raised um, that really impact on the lives of many community health workers who have been left in the lurch and who haven't really been acknowledged for the kinds of important work that they do. And it seems like government makes this impression that community health workers are simply replaceable. Um, and these seem to be very unfair. So I, uh, I would like to ask uh, Comrade Nzi to, to, to share her insights 
And then if um, we can have some more uh, perspectives and maybe some responses. Uh, Comrade B, over to you. And I'm looking out for more hands. Thank you, um, my chairperson. Um, comrades, firstly, I want to touch on the emphasis that keeps on being raised about encouraging CHWs not to be organized or to be employees that are not organized. I think, comrades, um, that part is, 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 is very much important that we really talk about, because remember, there are labor-related issues here that needs a representative. There are wage negotiations that needs a representative. There is a time where the employer is becoming unfair or abusing its own powers and enforcing things that are, are, are not supposed to be enforced on the employees. So now, if as this working class that we are, we're going to encourage the working class not to be organized, I think we are making a very huge mistake. And also, on that breath, uh, my comrade Chair, I want us to look thoroughly at the fact that who is the problem here and where is the problem? Is it not to mix things and not to continue making employees to be vulnerable to the employer? Because the people who are unions and who represent employees is the very same working class that is being disadvantaged by the ruling class when it comes to advancing issues of the working class and issues of the employees. So I think ours is to strengthen our unions is to work hand in hand with our unions, is to make sure that the road that we are currently struggling with of the unions who are in alliance with the ruling class, which is something that we all know that is the biggest problem. Because if you go to Netlake, the problem is this one problem that I've just mentioned of the alliance. If you go to bargaining council, is the alliance. If you go to our workplaces, it's the alliance, of which we cannot put the blame on the unions. But ours is to strengthen our unions, is to continue to do workshops on our shops, our members, for them to know their rights and to understand the labor relations and how to fight back to the employer. Let me talk on my last point where I've seen a question that is talking about the unions not representing or not caring for CHWs during this difficult time of COVID. I want to make it clear for all of us comrades that our Department of Health 
is in rot. This challenge has been a challenge for everyone who is inside the department. For instance, if I can give you an example, in the Eastern Cape where I'm currently in, in Port Elizabeth, we've been doing shutdowns of clinics since the day one COVID started, where we have lost a number of nurses, where we have lost pharmacists who were disadvantaged and not given PPE. I think really it's time we unite ourselves and we break away these divisions of class amongst ourselves. And we begin to understand that we are all working class. And the pounds that is eating me in my own workplace is similar to the one that is in next door. We've been fighting for PPE for nurses. We've been fighting for PPE for CHWs. We've been fighting for psychological help for employees who got COVID infected and the department neglected them for their, even their families, you know? So I really want us not to kill the mobilizing and uniting and organizing of workers. It's very important that workers become organized. Thank you very much, my chairperson. Thank you so much. Um, I now hand over to um, Gail and after Gail, Lillian. Uh, good evening, comrades. I'm actually just having a concern, man, because last year, October, we had a meeting of CHWs for like organizing ourselves. And the time we had the meeting at Kenya College, it was discussed the issue now of dual membership, like belonging to the union and belonging to the forum at the same time. And I'm going to be quite honest because when you see those unions that are going to the bargaining council, you will see that I think 90% of CHWs, they are not members of those particular unions that are going to the bargaining council. And at the end of the day, they end up now going to the bargaining council on our behalf, and they are not even asking us like our concerns. They just go there and end up signing now the resolution and life must just go on. Uh, I actually had something in mind, like I was asking if it's possible for us as CHWs, if we organize ourselves and we end up having a council of CHWs who will be able to go to the bargaining council and bargain for CHWs. Because now people will be going there if there's a council of CHWs, it will be CHWs who will be going to the bargaining council and not somebody else who's coming like from somewhere and they don't even come to us and ask us before they even go to the bargaining council, our issues, what do we need and everything. Like for instance, the NOSA, it is a council for nurses, the health professional council, it is a council for people who are on the uh, medical professions. But when it comes to us, we don't even have a council. So I actually wanted to bring this to the table that SCHWs, we really need to organize ourselves so that we can be able to go and represent ourselves at the bargaining council. Because clearly these unions, they are failing us on a daily basis from year to year. And uh, 
2018, when they ended up putting us on Persal, there was a clause there I, that said that like CHWs are going to be placed after a year now, let's say after a year, that was now like last year, 2019, we were supposed to be placed um, and not be given this contract and they are not referred to like as volunteers. And presently at the moment, we are still classified as volunteers and learnerships. We, we are not getting the permanent employment that was promised on the, re, the resolution of 2008. And uh, these people, they just go there and sign. Even like, was it during this week, I got an, a document that was uh, written by the, the Nehau saying that they are fighting for us. But what is quite surprising on that document, when you start from the beginning, it's only, it's like, uh, it's covering... Uh, health workers, which is nurses and doctors. And there's only one sentence, sentence at, the, at the bottom that says permanent employment for CHWs. And I just felt for these people, they want to use us again so that we must go and fight with them for their members and not for us. Because as I said, 80% to 90% of CHWs don't belong to those unions who end up going to bargain for us at the bargaining council, mm -hmm. which is really wrong and it's upsetting and frustrating. And I think it will be best if we can start organizing ourselves mm -hmm. so that we can be independent and fight for what is ours. Because now when you are at the ground and you, you will end up knowing the challenges that the, CHW, the CHWs are faced with, rather than people going to the bargaining council and just go there to go and sign. Whenever now they need membership, then they will start approaching CHWs. But time and again, they are failing the CHWs. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. We've got some comments that say... Um, it's true, Comrade Mzikazi, we need to be united as community health workers. And from that's from Pumzile and Tembisiles says, I'm listening very carefully to this matter as one of the activists working very close with community health workers 10 years back now, and I'm one of them for COVID-19. United for all community health workers, we will achieve our goal. Can we have uh, Lillian, please, um, over to you. Hi, comrades. Um, thanks. Uh, the issue of PPE, for instance, it doesn't start now on, under the COVID. The issue of PPE on CSWs has started long way back. Remember, CSWs have been working in the field without masks and gloves. Many CSWs have died on, uh, on con when they contract the, the TP, the MTR. So as a um, the whole thing, we have been fighting the issue of PPEs for a long time, not only now under the COVID. As we are saying now, the unions have not been helping CSWs with the PPEs issue. We've fought battles here in the clinics with the clinic managers, the shop steward of the unions in the clinics, who is lining the carers on giving them the PPEs. We, it's us carers have to fight to get the PPEs. It's us have to fight the clinic managers, the coordinators, the district managers to give the CSWs PPE is when they started providing for the health of the carers and take care of, of by, by the clinic managers and sort of source. So it's something of like it's and the, these units we can't say like now because we want to recruit for them. No, not recruit for the unions. And I'm very sorry. As how they will believe in you because these ones 
it were instead to struggle. We approach them as asking them for an assistance. They used to tell us that no, they they're not dealing with people like us who are not our own person, who are, who are not even earning a, a minimum wage. When we started having the person earning 3.5, is when they started now coming, they say, no, we brought in the PESAL, uh, you must come and join the unions. All along, they didn't care about the community health workers. They struggled, they didn't care anything about them. So why should we now, because we are permanent, now they come and say, no, we fought for you. Whereas we know that we, they didn't fight for us. We've managed to get the permanent, the permanent without being in the permanent council. Everything that we've been doing, we've been fighting without being in the bargaining council. You don't need to be in the bargaining council to win cases, to win the battle with the employer. We've won many battles with the employers. We've gotten some carers who are unfair dismissed back to work through without being in the bargaining council. So we can't say now using the losing to gain now to be bargaining council. I am very sorry if I'm but we don't have faith in the unions. We've won the struggle as a community health guys. We've won our own struggle on our own without the union's help. So we can't now because our permanent us to gain numbers to the bargaining council on on, on our account. As how they report they this the the RPL. Remember when they brought in the this they were saying that Kara should go under go to Shwanda go the RPL. We thought that we we are saying that no Kara should go on the on, on the RPL uh, criteria. Right now when 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 we want to nice we have to undergo an RPL. All along we have been working, submitting, doing everything that the department. But when we are supposed to be getting the pay being absorbed, you must be um, undergoing the RPL. I advise um, comrades, the one comrade who spoke about the RPL, that you, you shouldn't prioritize it. Actually, you should fight for it because it's going to kick a lot of carers out. Remember, there's age, there's experience, there are metrics that um, they're talking about. It's not the same as the one from the back years. Our understanding is not the same. So we shouldn't like say, no, we agree. We don't agree to it. I advise that you should just push it aside. Don't follow this thing of the RPL. The department is trying to eliminate terrorists using this strategy. Hence, we are saying the unions have the one who brought this thing of the RPL in the Pagani County. We are Thank you. crushing it. Thank you. Um, so we've got um, only a few minutes left. And I would like to ask um, Comrade Z and Comrade um, Klaus to please take two minutes each and just share with us some closing comments um, and perhaps um, some um, questions for us to think about or ways in which we can continue the conversation because this was such a rich conversation. It seemed, it's clear to me um, that it's not the end of this conversation and that we need a lot more. So I see one more hand, so I'm going to allow Simon one minute, um, but then I would like to move to the um, uh, speakers to, to give us their, their, their closing statement. And we've got um, Linda in the, in the chat room saying, how do we move forward as community health workers, forums, and all supporting institutes make sure the other provinces are employed permanently? A really good question. So over to you, Simon. You've got a minute, and then we go to... Um, thank, thank you very much again. Yeah. 
No, thank you very much. I just want to raise the issue of unity because unity is power. And I can tell you, community health workers are divided, you know. Others are with, uh, somebody just mentioned the dual membership, you know. But if we are not organized, then the employer will try to divide us. And you cannot go to bargaining council if you are not organized. Remember, there is a threshold for you to qualify for uh, to be in a bargaining council, which is more than um, 30,000. Now, here the issue is that once all of them are employed and the majority union in bargaining council, and if you are not a, a member of any union, you will be paying agency fee. That's what you need to know now. You must go and read this uh, their, their, their beginning council agreement and so on. So I'm just saying maybe in future we need to, um, I will just, it's just a proposal, um, maybe a national meeting where the community health workers um, will raise this issue and be advised on such things. I had a problem in Free State whereby um, they are paying agency fee. But the bargaining council agreed with us because we did challenge them to say, these people are not um, permanently employed now. Why do you then deduct uh, the agency fee? Uh, and we, we, we want that because they will be refunded back. So, but I'm saying the community health workers need to understand these kind of things. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Simon. Um, Lillian in the chat has said that the Gauteng Community Health Worker Forum has started to assist community health workers in other provinces like Northwest and Pumalanga. So it already seems like um, there's some cross-provincial support that, that other provinces can tap into. Um, so, so I would now like to invite our, um, our um, comrade Mzi to, to share some closing words. Thank you, Comrade Chepesin. Uh, thanks to everyone who has been part of, of this uh, conversation. Comrades, all I can say is it is very much important that we really talk about the real issues here and the vulnerability of the employees should employees become not organized or belong in any unions. Also, I want to touch uh, my comrade chair on the issue of RPL and make people understand that that is the recognition of prior learning, meaning it gives you a chances that 100% for employer not to um, discriminate against you and say, you do not have a grade 12, you do not have this, so I cannot give you this employment. I think um, this debate should continue. I, 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 I fully agree on that note so that we can begin to conscientize ourselves and educate ourselves around the issue of organizing workers and why must workers be organized unless we will be playing with bread and butter of our own sisters and brothers. Thank you, my chairperson. Uh, some very powerful closing statements from Comrade Nzi. Um, a call for, for, for more discussion 
and a call for us to, to conscientize and to recognize when community health workers are being discriminated and to really um, fight against that discrimination. Um, over to you, Comrade Class, for your closing comments of this webinar. Okay. Um, I uh, do apologize again for my poor audio. But uh, as I was saying before, I'd like to emphasize that this is our struggle. No one else will do a better job on our struggle than us. So I call upon the reestablishment of the, the solidarity as different organizations. If we want this to be successful nationally, we need to be united as different organizations. We need to put, to put our differences aside. We need to mobilize as a unity. And then we need to uh, put our carers up front, prioritize our workers. We need to be different from our employers, uh, the department, we need to fight for the working class. So I think we have tried to establish the networks before, but uh, failing once doesn't mean that we have completely failed. We have learned from our failure before, uh, we can move forward from that. We, we have realized, I'm sure all of us have realized, that there's nothing our government will implement without us enforcing it. And they have used our division against us. They've realized that we are really divided. So us as leaders, we need to have the same perception. We need to be united. We need to see the same goal and then put our differences aside. If we can manage to, to achieve that, I can assure you we will achieve the main goal of having all the CHWs to be permanent in South Africa. <laughs> Um, uh, thank, thank you. you. Some really some more powerful words. Um, um, so just a reminder: the People's Health Movement is a global network of grassroots health activists, civil society organizations, and academics committed to advocating for affordable, accessible, equitable health for all. So it's been a pleasure to chair this meeting, um, this webinar. I've learned a great deal and. Um, I am in solidarity with community health workers struggle and will continue to be. And I now hand over to Tinashe. Thank you very much. Uh, but I want to thank you all for sacrificing your time for being with us uh, on, on this uh, webinar on a Friday evening. I just want to encourage you to go to our website and uh, join our member list if you wish to be part of our our member list, you just click here when it's saying complete the form. We are having another we are having another webinar on the first of October. Please look out for the for the advert. Thank you so much, comrades. Uh, have a good weekend. God bless you.